Buongiorno. Welcome to the 42nd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode of the Drive-In, we have the express checkup of yours truly, Dr. O. We have our spoiler review of Luca. And then we have our top billing of best movie dads. So use the bathroom now. Grab that popcorn and enjoy the 42nd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, fellas, welcome back. Episode 42, ready to roll. Humid day on the East Coast right now. I'm sweating bullets, boys. I'm sweating bullets. It's going to be a greasy podcast. I can already feel it's going through my shirt right now. Sorry for all the listeners for the uh, little attention to detail there. But I'm excited to get talking about this new Pixar film. Flex, Nez, how we doing? What have we, what have we, what have we been watching? Nez, kick us off. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been good, man. I've been good. Uh, picked up a nice tan this weekend, spent a long time at the beach, spent some time outside, really had my first legit beach day of the summer. Excited about that. Um, finished Narcos, um, back to another comfort show that I've already watched a million <laughs> times. I'm watching how I met your mother again. Love it. Nice. I, I actually never watched it all the way through. That's one of those like shows I'll pick it up on cable bits and pieces i'll watch whenever i can it seems mm-hmm. like it's that type of show it's like that like like friends seinfeld it's like yeah it's it like a whenever. sitcom in the space in the city so yeah it's just like those in that way but it, it is cool to watch with, all the way through because it does like build on itself a little bit but gotcha. at the same time you could pick up an episode here or there and it'll still be fun i like it i'm all about my comfort shows i mean barney favorite character or what uh barney yeah 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 the barnacle big time <laughs> nph how are you <laughs> Ricky Flex, what have we been watching? How you doing? Not too shabby, not too shabby, boys. <clears throat> to Nez's delight, I have been doing a little rewatching of a director known as Stanley Kubrick, and been rewatching a few of his movies. You know, you got The Shining, Clockwork Orange, yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. Which, my God, that movie still doesn't disappoint. How psychotic it is. Um, and uh, what was the other one when I watched? Dr. Strange Love. So oh, that's mm. one of his critically, like maybe his critically yeah. most successful. But yeah, Peter Sellers, the Pink Panther himself, or Pink Panther, Dr. Cluzo, Detective Cluzo. But that's what I've been watching actually the past week. I don't know why, just mm-hmm. been feeling a little weird. Kubrick, the, the prototypical weird director. Well, doing director that. Marathon. I like that. That's what I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nez, do you have a favorite uh, Kubrick film? Full Metal Jacket. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. No, ah. <laughs> I was expecting you to say Full Metal Jacket. I Full Metal Jacket's like my one. go-to, but I like I also really like 2001: A Space Odyssey. Right, I remember and you Clockwork saying that. Orange is one that I thoroughly enjoy. I don't know. It's That's really what I thought you were going to say. You thoroughly Clockwork enjoy Orange? Clockwork yeah. Orange. Clockwork Orange is 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 pretty effed up. It's it is unrewatchable, like, dude. Yeah, but he's unrewatchable for you. No, yeah, I like scary. so like the, the, the <laughs> yeah the messed out. up scenes are messed up, but like some of the scenes are sick and some of the shots are just so weird, like something that will never be recreated ever again. Like the shot in the um in that room with the tables that are people and like I don't even know. It's just iconic. It's just it's an iconic movie, and yeah, I like to watch it and. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy the movie. Um, <laughs> like, I guess I should be careful with how I say that. I just enjoy the movie, like for for what it is, and it's it's definitely enjoyable to watch. Um, Full Metal Jacket, the first half is like the greatest, you know, probably like hour of a movie ever. Um, but then you know, it just like, kind of like you know, it's amazing, and then it kind of like turns down in that back. Can't agree more. Tough. Can't um, agree more. And then two thousand one, Space Odyssey is really long, but I like it. It's so trippy, man. I, I, I still actually I've never seen 2001: A Space Odyssey. So. Really? So the first time it's a I great saw map it, movie. First time I saw it was in college, and you know, uh, Doctor Owen and I lived together with a, about five other guys or four other guys, um, and everybody was home or away for one weekend or one just one afternoon, and I was like, hmm, I got four hours. <laughs> I'll throw on 2001: A Space Odyssey, and they came, and people came back and like, like the final scene one kid came back and he watched like the thing with like the baby at the end and it was just like he was just like what the hell are you doing and i'm like this movie is awesome <laughs> i love I might that watch movie. it tonight i might have to yeah. you, um, you need to a lot a decent amount of time but yeah 
Yeah, I have it right now. So I, Make I might sure crush it tonight, man. I swear. I I I think I'll have a a, a, a one minute review for next episode, and then nice. I'll get my thoughts. Yes, on it. please do. Um, but uh, eyes wide shut is a potential like if we have nothing new to review, maybe we do that one because it's so crazy to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I've been crushing, I watched. Whenever I go on Netflix, a Pixar story, that documentary is in my face every time um, I log on. So when I, I, uh, I made the decision, we're reviewing Luca this week. I went into that documentary, saw how Steve Jobs was involved, how Disney picked it up. John Lasseter is basically the MVP of Pixar. He is the man. Uh, and the, it goes all the way up through, I believe, The Incredibles or Finding Nemo, one or the other. I believe it's The Incredibles. Just incredible. It's I was about to say incredible again, but it go. It's great looking at that early animation and what the characters and like turn out to be. Like you look mm-hmm. at Woody, his head was the size of Mars, and he's wearing like these different colors. Buzz Lightyear is like a red suited dude, and it's amazing how far they've come and how they are really an artwork type of studio. Like art, we talk about like artsy fartsy type of films. We talk about A twenty four. That's what Pixar is for animation. So I'm excited to like kind of build on what I saw earlier this week. And then obviously I've been crushing Peaky Blinders. It was James Gandolfini's um, birthday this past week. And as I keep crushing Peaky Blinders, I'm watching Killian Murphy. I'm watching Thomas Shelby. It makes me recognize this show would be nothing without the Sopranos. Because uh, it's like almost like that Breaking Bad type of character. Like that mm-hmm. one who you really don't want to root for. But he is the protagonist of this show. And it's led to so many of these types of movies in the future. Like Joker and whatnot. We talked about Cruella last week great show it takes you through like the early not early modern european history it's my type of stuff like end of world war one great depression uh mm-hmm. you got like the communist revolution it's awesome history right? buff over there yeah no it's <laughs> it's incredible like I, I i can't get enough of it but i think it's time we get to the checkup what do you boys say let's roll let's do it let's roll one more moment doctor Bringing you the latest in the movie industry, this is The Checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. Slide over, Batman and Robin. We have a new dynamic duo in town. Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe will star in a Western action thriller titled Dead for a Dollar. Now that's a Western movie title. The film follows a famed bounty hunter who runs into his sworn enemy, a professional gambler and outlaw that he had sent to prison years before boys let's make western school again next up on the checkup we have our first look at ezra miller michael keaton kirstie clemens and sasha call on the set of annie machete's the flash michael keaton was revealed in his return as bruce wayne meanwhile sasha call was revealed in costume as supergirl next up on the checkup we have the first trailer drop for will ferrell katherine hahn and paul rudd's upcoming project a dark comedy limited series shrink next door for apple tv the synopsis reads, inspired by true events, this eight-episode series will explore the relationship between an ill-intentioned psychiatrist and the patient who has his life stolen by the doctor. Exhilarating stuff. Next up, James Gunn has had, quote-unquote, casual discussions about a potential DC-Marvel crossover project with, with both studios. Gunn tweeted, I don't think it's likely, but I, think it's a, I don't think it's an impossibility either. That said, just constantly seeing crossovers and mashups is less enchanting to me than a strong story boys a man can dream next up the chameleon is rumored to be the main villain in sony's craven the hunter movie chameleon is uh his alias is dimitri smergikov he's a master of disguise and his abilities include virtually taking on the identities of anyone he lays his eyes on infiltrating several organizations to execute its villainous schemes wreaking havoc on his adversaries traditionally a spider-man villain aaron taylor johnson was previously announced as craven several weeks back for sony's upcoming comic book film Next up, small story, Jack Black and Ice Cube will star in Oh Hell No, where Jack Black falls in love with Ice Cube's mom. I think you can figure out the full synopsis for yourselves. Wrapping up the checkup here. Hiroki Sonata has joined the cast of John Wick 4 because of course he has. Sonata has been most recently seen in action films Mortal Kombat and Army of the Dead. He will star alongside Brad Pitt uh, in David Leach's upcoming film Bullet Train. That does it for the checkup this week. You've just been checked up. My doctor Which of these many headlines grab your attention. You know what you know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about, baby. Bring it. Bill Farrell, Catherine Hahn, <laughs> and Paul Rudd. Let's I go. Catherine Hahn. Once I said that name, I knew you were gonna bring it up. What a dynamite cast, though, really. I haven't seen Will Farrell do anything good in a while, but if Catherine Hahn's on board, you know this is gonna be dynamite. Mm. 
and dude, I couldn't agree more with the fact that Will Ferrell, where's he been? I know he, he's an exe- he's a producer on Succession. Uh, he was in Downhill with Julia Dreyfus. Yeah, you're right. He's year. in that remake. Downhill just did terribly. He was in Eurovision. Also not that great, last although it's nominated well. for an Oscar for a Best Original Song. Yes, sir. But this trailer has me a little bit excited. Yes, it has the uh, it doesn't have the classic comedic elements of a Ferrell movie, obviously. It's a dark comedy. But him combining with Paul Rudd, they, they're going to bounce well off one another. And Catherine Hahn one of the best supporting actresses in the game. Like she fits in with everybody. And so seeing them attack this type of project, limited series, it shows, I mean, this is a different time in uh, entertainment where like all these actors, like they're not afraid to do these limited series instead of films. They almost prefer to do these limited series Mm -hmm. so they can like delve into these characters and flesh them out completely. I'm stoked for it. Flex, how about you? I tweet this all the time for you, for those that follow me, you, you know it for sure. Wolf Barrow in a serious role. He's very good at it. Stranger Than Fiction, one of my favorite movies of the 2000s. I highly recommend it. Please go watch it. I think it's on Netflix still. Unbelievable movie, and he's the star in that. And we get a reunited of Brian Fantana and Ron Burgundy. No matter what, you have to watch that. So I'm looking forward to this. And then I'll add on top of that, Catherine Hahn. Come on now. All three, of these, all three of these actors have been in the Will Ferrell universe. Right? Yes. to recognize that all three have been in the will ferrell universe but yeah it should be something special to see um i also want to talk about what i led off the checkup with we got christoph waltz and willem dafoe in a movie right going against wow. one another that's gonna be an electric factory we oh, got wow. hopefully christoph waltz back in the role as a bounty hunter similar to django unchained he was so fabulous in that role yes i use the word fabulous he absolutely killed it and i think him going against willem dafoe is but they're both going to elevate their games and this has like oscar potential written all over it can't we uh, do we agree flex after dr king schultz is back but that's like taking i think that's taking a lot of the limelight here in this news but i think a movie that's gone under the radar that has one of our kings in it the card counter paul schrader with Oscar Isaac starring the other star in that besides Ty Sheridan, Willem Dafoe. And what is he going to be in this? A pro gambler, card counter, gambling movie that's coming out later this year. So I like this. We have a bounty hunter versus a gambler with prior experiences for each. I'm liking this. Great news for movies. I love this. Great casting. Yeah, you're right. Insane. Uh, I also want to bring up, we talked about Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe was in the news earlier this week. He actually made some sly comments about being a part of Spider-Man No Way Home, mm. where he literally said he cannot comment on the movies he's been in recently. Dude, the man works so much when you think about it. He got off, like, he just finished filming The Northman. He's got, obviously, the card counter with Oscar Isaac, probably in Spider-Man No Way Home, and now we get him teaming up with Christoph Waltz. This dude is, like, approaching 70 and will not quit. I think he wants an Oscar bat. I think he wants an he Oscar needs it. bat. But, uh... I've, I tweeted out, I think there's potential. Willem Dafoe is the main villain in the new Spider-Man movie. I think he's the main guy. And I think that's been a rumor before. And I, I, the more I think about it, he's the one that's not talked about as much. Alfred Molina, they're talking about a lot. Talking about the other Spider-Man. Whispers of Willem Dafoe not really being emphasized, but you're like, he's, the, he's the damn Green Goblin. Like, he's got to be the main guy, no? In the, third, like in the third Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland to end a trilogy, maybe not quote unquote not end, but the third movie where you usually get a big bad mm-hmm. arch nemesis of Spider-Man probably going to be the big bad. Probably going to be the big bad. I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. It's about time they brought in the green goblin, even in this unorthodox way. And as we wrap up the checkup today, I brought up the fact James Gunn in a tweet mentioned a potential Marvel DC crossover in the future. It's obviously unlikely right now, right? Studios are going their own directions. They're concerned with the own futures of their universes, but let's say like 10, 15 years down the line, what kind of projects do you guys envision potentially happening between the two franchises? What do you got net? Um, Put you on the spot there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. I I don't know. I got to I got to take a second to think about this. Let's flex, give flex. one then we'll go back to Nets. Should I give the obvious one or maybe an off one? Go with one that you want to see, dude. Oh, well, one I want to see would be Iron Man Batman for sure. Yes. That's Iron cool. Man only created really from the original story of Batman really. There would be no Iron Man without Batman. That would be a great one to see. I Nets. The two billionaires, go with the brawn and the wit, like both going at it. Like they mm-hmm. both have, they have both, I should say. And, uh, and what I could see like 10, 15 years down the line, like if you even just set this movie outside any of the universes, don't even worry about the universe. It's just put those two characters against one another. Like I know Robert Downey Jr. is like 60. Let's say like 
few years down the line, you get an old grizzled Iron Man, then you got an old grizzled Affleck as Batman going at it. Like, I think that could have some potential there. I mean, the, 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 the opportunities are limitless. That's why I'm like trying to figure <laughs> out like what the heck I'm going to do, man. I, I don't know. But the thing is like, I, I think, you know, obviously we should bring in the Joker somehow, but for some reason I can't put him in the Marvel universe. It just doesn't really like a little dark, know. a little dark for that, you know? Actually, yeah. It's like, I can't, I don't, I can't see it happening, you know? And like, but the what, all right, what about the Joker versus Spider Man? Like him and, and as the big bad <laughs> in New York over there, you know? Have him switch main adversaries. Yeah, that'd be, that'd, that'd be interesting. Put put uh, he'll, yeah, I mean he'll put the young Spider Man's mind in a pretzel and then just like I don't know, like he's he's a sneaky dude. I guess I don't know. It has some potential. Um, I also wanted to mention like James Gunn's one who tweeted this. I think uh, one of the more obvious is, obvious ones is like Suicide Squad versus Guardians of the Galaxy. Like mm-hmm. like a couple of like like raunchier oh, wow raunchier teams in both film universes, and I think that those characters interacting would be awesome and uh and i think he loves those characters like james gunn i'm talking about more so than the fans that's how much he like adores working with these characters working on these films so it's like if there's any one that film that could happen it's that or at the end of the line of both universes let's say 10 15 years superhero fatigue is set in how do you wrap it all up justice league versus avengers yeah you know well, so that was – I was thinking about that too. I mean, mm-hmm. but how, how do you even make that story happen? Like how do you have all these like really good, like nice heroes just like want to fight and kill each other? I don't know. Maybe you even like make the X-Men the villains. They got to team up or like the makes one of the teams of villains the X-Men has to team up with. I don't know. You, you have a three-way like – I don't know. I, I, there's nothing you could really do. Or you have like a dark side team up with like a Galactus, you know, two like mm-hmm. superhuman – uh, or so. or what about we just run it back, run back uh, super, uh, Superman, he goes bad, and then they got to enlist the help of the Avengers to take out Superman with the Justice League. That's not bad. Wow. That's not bad. I like not that. Give me a that. call, DC. Yeah, Give me a call, Marvel. Yes, that's right. We'll, we'll pitch it to James Gunn. Go ahead, Rick. A few other ones. I know you wrote a blog on this, Dr. O. Go check it out at, at thedriveinpod.com. But Superman Thor. That's a big one. Like two people, like that would be two giants going at it. Maybe Thor and Wonder Woman, not necessarily going against each other, but together both have kind of like Asgard and uh, Paradise Island God's elements goddesses. to it. Yeah, gods, goddesses. Um, Martian Manhunter and, and Vision or Green Lantern and Vision. I feel like that would be an interesting storyline to kind of explore oh. there. What I, are you going to say? I, 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 I was going to say one other idea that we'll like wrap up here is that the Injustice video games, like how they have like those mono mono, almost like Mortal Kombat style. Like you have a tournament with like all these different like characters going against one another. Mm. I think that'd be kind of cool too. Superman, um, he- heavy favorite. Heavy, heavy. You got to have him go against like Thor, which is like two characters. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That does it for the checkup this week. All right. A lot of news. Great conversations, boys. I'm going to throw it over to Nez for our review of Disney Pixar's Luca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Buongiorno. Andiamo. Uh, Today's review or this week's review is of Disney's Pixar's Pixar's Luca. Uh, It's available to see in theaters and on Disney Plus. It's free with the service so anybody can watch it. it is currently trending at 89% on Rotten Tomatoes with an 87% audience score uh, and is ranked 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. The synopsis is set in the beautiful seaside town of Italian Riviera. The original animated feature is a coming of age story about one young boy experiencing an unforgettable summer filled with gelato, pasta, and endless scooter rides. Lucas shares these adventures with his newfound best friend, but all the fun is threatened by a deeply held secret. He's a sea monster from another world just below the water surface. So I guess what that synopsis didn't tell you is that he turns into a human when he does get you know, above the water. But when he gets wet, he is a sea monster and he transforms into that. So uh, let's go around the horn here and let's do some knee-jerk reactions. How do we feel about this movie, uh, my two Italian broskies? I liked it. I didn't necessarily love it, but I liked it. I it was the shortest uh, Pixar movie ever, right? Or maybe Toy Story, but this was definitely like up there for or down there for shortest movies in the Pixar and Pixar family. But saying that, it was short and simple. It's just a nice, simple story that's nice to watch. It was 
very vibrant, very pleasing on the eyes. And it was just very charming movie. That's really what I saw, thought of it. And especially the prior films before this, you had Soul Onward uh, last year, where they had heavy, heavy, heavy emotional punches. This one was just a nice, subtle emotional punch where it wasn't too deep. And whether that was good or bad, like whether you liked that or not, okay. But it was definitely, I liked it better than the past two uh, Pixar uh, flicks. And then if you keep, if you go back even a few uh, films earlier or recent recent films, uh, Inside Out as well, which had a deep emotional punch as well. So 100%. I Are thought you it, that you liked this better than Inside Out. No, no, that's not what you I'm like saying. You like it better than Soul? Oh. No, I'm just saying it didn't have okay, as much okay. of an emotional punch as those. So it was a nice little diversification away from that um, that you don't necessarily see in Pixar recently, which I thought was very interesting. So it didn't dive too deep, but still packed enough emotional punch is basically what I'm saying. Um, and I guess I'll just leave it at there and so you guys can give off with your reactions. I, I mean, if I had to put a word to this movie, how I felt about it, I would say it's a cute movie. It was a cute movie. It's about friendship. It felt like like summer camp vibes. Like you may you meet your best friend at summer camp. You don't know anybody, right? And then you guys are like off on adventures, adventures using your imagination. This is definitely a change of pace compared to a soul or onward or inside out that like you're talking about. So I, feel, I almost feel like Pixar noticed like, hey, we're getting a little too heavy for these kids. Like this, th- these films are going over their head. Let's dumb it down a little bit. This is a simple story um, about not trying to fit in, right? Being comfortable with who you are and don't let other people like their judgments on you um, stop you from achieving what you want to do or like follow through with like your goals. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I guess that's what I, I'll leave it at that before we get into all these different questions. But overall, it feels like a movie I would like be 10 years old and I throw it on with my best friend at a sleepover and then we feel like we take on the world afterwards, you know? That's kind it's of definitely mine. a kid's movie. Oh, yeah. For like, sure. This was and, for kids. It revolved around the kids and kind of not a stupid premise but like a simple like kids premise no i i agree and uh i agree with both of you guys this is definitely uh geared more towards kids and i remember when soul came out we were like wow that was a great movie but dang that was a kids movie and this is pixar going back to and and, and making movies for kids again uh which is great because you know i think kids these days also need to grow up on Pixar movies that they love. And this could be one of those for a kid. You know, we grew up on some amazing Pixar movies. Um, and I just feel like as spoiled. of late, they've been, they've been, yeah, we were very spoiled as of late. It's been a little heavy goat after goat, but at the same time, like, I mean, I appreciate it as, as a, as a full grown adult that's watching these animated movies. Um, and, and it's nice, you know, I actually, you know, don't judge, uh, kids movies that hard like i like watching kids movies sometimes because it's very lighthearted and it's not too intense still a movie and, yeah yeah exactly so and it still tells a good story and it's just like not as um i don't know deep or sometimes but that's some that's fine it could be surface level for me and i'll enjoy it um but no i i enjoyed this movie um this i really liked kind of diving into you know, the Italian just like living on the coast, on a coastal city, and it's in Italy. Silencio really, Bruno. <laughs> I loved all those little, like, you know, the, the little um, Italian catchphrases. Yeah. yeah, that they were using in there. Cobblestone, I thought it was great. The bikes, the spaghetti. This is everything it was so cool. I love it. And I, I could see myself watching this as like a kid and being like, I want to learn how to speak Italian. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. of all the little things or, or the little kids. Like, I bet you every camp counselor this summer is going to have at least one kid that's like, Andiamo. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like saying, like, yeah. let's go. Um so I thought that w- that was a really cool aspect of it. And I don't think I've ever seen a kid's movie that's been based in, in, in Italy really like that. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a really cool uh, change of pace um, to move it out of the country and move it, you know, into Italy. It's, it it's kind of, seems like uncharted territory. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen a very big kid's movie be based over, uh, you know, over in Italy like that. And I thought that was very cool uh, to pick up on the culture. And I I couldn't agree more. That's what Pixar is so amazing at. Like they'll go Ratatouille, they'll go in France, they'll go Italy for Luca, they'll go to Coco, they'll go to Mexico. Like they are so good at like making sure they don't become stagnant and they're Mm -hmm. always ever changing. And I love that you brought up the setting. I thought this movie looked incredible on screen. I watched on my laptop, MacBook pro, not a big deal, but it's like brining bright. It's shining bright in my face, the ocean, the colors, the, like, as I said, vibrant. Um, 
The only thing is, like, when it comes to the setting, what I wanted Pixar to lean more into is music. Um, yes, they had, like, the score that sounded beautiful at times, but there was no song that went with it. I feel like you could have had a banger of an Italian song to this movie. Like, something that, especially yeah. for a movie so centric to children. Like, it's, as Nez said, it's not a very deep premise. Like, give them something they could sing to, enjoy, you know? Bring that those Pixar-isms and, like, bring it to the screen. Do you guys agree or not? Completely agree. I think the music was fine. It's just you could have done a lot more with it, especially in the Italian culture that they displayed so well. And mm-hmm. it would have helped the setting and culture and the characters even more. And even you could use the music to express their emotions even more, which they did not do in this movie. Um, so I completely agree with you. But then again, like I still like the movie. The music wasn't a differentiated factor. It's just something I would have liked to see more of. No, I think, yeah, I thought I, I was listening to some of the music in the scenes and I was like, oh, this is good. Like, I like it. But I, I do agree with you guys where it's not great. And like, especially for kids, giving, giving them like, like a, like one, like banger that they would, that they would give them a bop, give them a bop. They would play on YouTube a million times and like want to look up. Um, They, I don't know if they had that, but I did like. And and it, oh, you heard, like the way I said, it was very Italian, (laughs) but it was, um, it, it was, it was I, I enjoyed it and I really I think it helped with the setting. It you know made you feel like you were in a village in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, if they had some more city music, that'd be kind of cool too. Just for the kids. For the it's kids. Just, not for me, for the kids. It's FGK. just it's very hard with any Pixar film because they have such high expectations. Like we were just talking about in the beginning. We grew up on these movies that were just banger after banger. Like they're some of the best, not just animated films, but films of all time. And now we're just expecting that. And like, this wasn't that. And again, like a part of the reason was the music. There were some other things I didn't like. I thought it was too simple. I thought it wasn't as ambitious as the other stories. They didn't take any chances. They kept it safe. Um, I, and there's other things I didn't like about the movie, but then again, like they just kept it simple, short and sweet. I can't knock them for it, but I can just say like, I wish, like it is, I wish they went after it a little more, but okay. they decided not to. Like I, I couldn't agree more with you, what you guys are saying in terms of like the expectations for a Pixar film are up here. Every every other animated movie, they're here. You know, mm-hmm. like these ones down here, you're not anticipating like a deep story. Pixar, you're you're anticipating deep characters, right? And some story and, and like a story that's going to reach kids and adults now, right? It's kind of entered that like pantheon. And so I think like this one for me, it's in the middle right of the pixar films it's not there's no way it's not like cars two level and that like it's not bad right or another good dinosaur it's literally i put it almost smack dab in the middle because it doesn't exactly take advantage of those pixar isms but still Mm -hmm. very very good and i also want to talk about in terms of the setting what pixar does so so well is they they have amazing animation and they are good at creating these like weird looking creatures so when they have these sea monsters and they're going down below the sea we only spent like 10 minutes total maybe yes. beneath the sea. Like yes. I know the village was, it looked amazing, but like we dove more into that world a little bit. The only thing we really knew is that Luca was hurting like goatfish. Like we didn't really see much mm-hmm. into that other realm that like you're trying to, you're, you're trying to like almost separate these two types of people, not separate them, but like you're showing these two different worlds and we didn't get enough of the under, under, yes. under the sea. I completely agree. Like, I do agree with you that the animation, like with the monster versus human dynamic was exceptional. It was very quick, natural, like the changing from the humans to the monsters back to the humans, very natural throughout the film, very consistent, very well done. But you got to explore the underwater world. You just like have to see how they live and like more how than just look, 10 minutes. Like, they didn't different sea monsters. Like, think about Pixar, what they've done through the years, they build these worlds and they just left that world unexplored. Like Finding Nemo, they built up that underwater world and they built up A Bug's Life, the insect world, right? And you still get those those human elements like on the outside and inside the film. Or like Toy Story, another example, sorry to bounce around. You got both sides. You mainly got the toy's point of view, but you also saw Andy's point of view clearly. But this one, they just didn't see like kind of the most interesting part, at least, which would be like seeing the animation under the water with these sea monsters. Like... And just to wrap up this tangent here is that when they were going to help the guy f- catch fish, I was surprised. I was like, don't you want to save fish? 
like why are you so willing to catch fish and like kill them like i was like completely shocked and i think that would have helped if they explored more of the world underwater it would have been like that would have been very better explained and i wouldn't have been so in shock that they're willing to kill fish so that ends my tangent i i think i actually disagree with you guys i think they spent just enough time underwater i think that uh you know any more time down there world building would have been wasted because the story is happening above. Uh, you think about finding Nemo. They didn't really world build the surface. They kind of just but did they, a little bit of time. They spent a little bit of time there. But I will say though, they, they still were in the dentist's office. I know it's still in water technically, but it's a different area, different uh, piece. Of, I, it's not the I, ocean. I think it's a different like argument because they're trying to juxtapose two different types of people here. Like they're mm-hmm. like, you weren't trying to like make the humans look, any type of way in finding Nemo. It's about them escaping. It's not like, to me, it's more about like uh, two different types of people that view themselves, each other as monsters. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think a big part of the film, they want you to see each other. They don't respect each other, but when they go to the surface, right. It's hard. Like a human goes down there. Like you didn't like, you see the monsters. They think they're evil. Like they they're, they have the harpoons mm-hmm. and everything. They go to the surface, right? Some people accept them. Some of them don't. And I think that's one of like. There's a huge quote in this movie that stuck with me hard. And I thought there were were some emotional parts of this movie. I felt tears coming. But there was really? a line. I yes. did not. Which was a big differentiator for me in past I, uh, Pixar films. By the way, I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk a little bit about the things I was like getting emotional at. But this line got me. It says, "Some people they'll never accept him." but some will, and he seems to know how to find the good ones. Oh, yeah. Right? So, so like, that line, by the grandma at the end, I was just like, dang, like, that does hit. Because, like, mm. different, like, we, see, we live in such a diverse world where people are voicing their opinions. People, you're not going to change other people in this world. Like, some people are just so stuck in their ways. And the way you see somebody, it's like, yes, okay, so don't let their negativity influence you and, like, stop you from, like, doing what you want to do, hanging around the people you want to hang around, you know? It's like those emotional parts, I think, got me a little bit, you know? Yeah, there were some good, like, themes in the story. You had that, like, friendship, facing your fears, freedom, a father figure slash being alone. Like, you had a lot of different types of themes. But then again, like, when's how many themes are too many? Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily think that was a big drawback, but that was just another thing. Like, there was just so many different themes that you saw in the movie that the, that was going on that I was just like, all right, let's just focus in on a couple of these. Not because right. we, it's not like we have an expanded array of characters. Like we have basically two main character, one main character, a major minor character, then a couple other minor characters, but we're focusing on so many different themes within these like three characters. I, I, I could be the minority here, man. I, like, I, I didn't think it's intellectually, it's not deep like soul or inside out. Right. But I thought um, so there were some emotional parts like, uh, uh, when the sea on Julia is like finding out like there's sea monsters and everything and not more specifically Alberto I might have to cut that because that's kind of a spoiler but it's, when it's, she finds out I'm just like man like you, you stabbed your best friend in the back like that, that, that was the like, big one felt like that hurt and I, I, I thought that did po- pa- like pack that emotional punch yeah that that scene for sure had an po- emotional punch more like a wow like that's insane like how he didn't I defend we his were friends dude I yeah we were friends i was shocked shocked by that and a girl coming between the best friends girl come between the best Classic. friends and Classic. Be- before we throw out the scores like one of the we did a draft on this is like the best pixar characters i think we should talk about the supporting cast here did you guys have a favorite out of everyone you saw the grandma this? The, no. the grandma obviously yeah she was but, a bro she was yeah. a bro. She, she was like, she's she like, I know what you're doing. Right? I'm looking after right. this kid. She bails him out. Like, that's a good grandma right there. Yeah, that I is. agree. I liked, uh, I did like Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan in this as his parents. I thought they were very funny mm-hmm. in uh, the surface level scenes. Uh, I she was, was just destroying the kids. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, like, absolutely marking them playing, playing football, soccer. Vi- playing dodgeball vibes. Mm-hmm. Now you're yeah. all in big trouble. Exactly. <laughs> same Clever. vibes. And then uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as the uncle, like, very short sequence. Was he? Oh, that was that was Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, yeah. You got to stick around for the uh, post credit scene, and you like can clearly tell when, that when they Sasha see him Baron on the movie Cohen. poster. That cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. But uh, okay. that was like a two minute cameo. I liked. But I guess just one more su- supporting character to mention is the villain. Did you guys like the villain in this? Terrible. I yes. hated him. <laughs> um. I mean, I, I just didn't understand it. I was like, yeah. I, he was like the guy who's like, uh, 
you know, have you seen the clip of uh, the Jimmy Tatro video where the guy's like, like wants to fight the baby? Yeah, really. Yeah. Why is that... this grown man like, like attacking? Yes, like, it made no sense. It and so it goes, weird. what's up, little bud? <laughs> it goes back to the expectations for Pixar. Pixar has some of the greatest villains of of all time, and we did a draft on it. Like we did a draft of Disney slash Pixar villains. That's how great Pixar villains are. Yeah, and this one just didn't live up to those expectations, but then just live up to it. I thought it was just eh to not good, as in that villain. It was like the chef and Ratatouille had a kid. That's what I kept thinking. Yes, of, watching it. <laughs> like, yeah, he he gave me French vibes, although he was Italian. And then mm-hmm. with, with the with the mustache, I felt for him there in that scene where you're like a 16 year old with a mustache and people are like looking at you weird. I'm just like, man, that was me in fifth grade. That's <laughs> still me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I thought I, I like Romano. I like the like the uh, Julia and Julia's dad, and I thought Julia was cool. She's badass, and I, yeah. I, I like she, life is adventure. And energy. She, she's and she, I like I'm. I'm who's not a fan of an underdog, you know, like, and like yeah. the team's called the underdogs. Like she's doesn't care if they're sea monsters or whatever. Like I, she, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on her side. And she also balanced the care, like those two, the boys out very well because she was very outgoing, like an adventure. Alberto was like the, not lying, but just like, uh, just bl- blinded by his own thoughts. And then Luca is the conservative. He's still, facing he, Alberto thought he knew everything. Right. Yeah. 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 blindly so i thought exactly. she did a very good job balancing them out and i thought that was a good aspect of the movie good you throwing around some scores or what sure. let's let's throw out some scores yeah um should i go first yeah i'm going with uh with a 78 on this one 78 solid enjoyed it um liked it didn't love it good not great flexor I had a little shock face because I have a 77 in my books. Wow. That's me close. Haven't seen that in a bit. Yeah. Uh, I gave it an 86. Like, I, I guess it might be the Italian in me. And I thought, I guess it like it might've hit me a little bit like more like emotionally than you guys. Um, I did like the supporting characters. Although we talked about the villain not being very good. I thought this had some funny scenes too. I did laugh out loud. Like I was watching this on my own. I did laugh out loud a couple of times. Like uh, they don't know what money is, and like, like he's like throwing it up in the air. Like, what do we need this for? And just like throwing it like behind <laughs> it and stuff. Like, like and then like the Vespa, the, they rather want, the, they want the trashy Vespa. Like they're scrappers. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I did like that aspect though. My not true. I thought the for me the funniest scene was uh when Jim Gaffigan and Maya Rudolph, Luca's parents, first get to the surface, and they see the boy with the ice cream, and Jim Gaffigan like who's very like reserved and lets his wife take charge of everything. He's like, mm-hmm. honey. I got this. I could find him and sees the random kid. And I'll just leave that in case you haven't seen it. Uh, so I don't spoil it, but wow. What a scene there. I thought. I also, I la- also laughed at the, uh, the scene with the, uh, the uncle and his heart and he has to punch him in the heart. <laughs> yeah. He came up from, like, so the casual DC. about it. Yeah. It was hilarious, but all right. That will uh, wrap up our coverage of, uh, Luca, Pixar's Luca. Like I said before, you can see it uh, in theaters and on Disney Plus. Um, it's free with the service. And I'm going to throw it over to Doctor O for a top. Throw it over to Ricky Flicks behind the back. Oh, what a catch, Ricky! And I have the ball. We're moving. We're moving. You're I'm going like to keep ben it though. Sim- I'm going to like keep ben, it. You're, you're like Ben Simmons around the rim. Just take it, take it, take Oof. it, take it. Too soon for the Billy fans listening. Sorry about that. But to make you feel better, we have the top billing of best movie dads inspired by Father's Day this past Sunday. Hopefully you gave your father a great gift or a great day, whatever you did. Hopefully you had a great time. But yes, top billing of best movie dads. We determined the draft order in advance, and we decided, or it is, Ricky Flicks, myself, number one, Nez, number two, Dr. Rowe, number three, and we're going to snake it. Dr. Rowe, thoughts going into this draft? You wanted the third pick. You got the third pick. I got 15 names on my board. I got 10 that I'm super confident in. Uh, I wrote a blog on the best movie dad of all time, and I didn't take the first pick. I think, I don't know, I'd rather, I think I... I've had the third pick the last two drafts, and I, I think, and I've won both. So I'm going to hopefully keep the ball rolling here. Nez, keys going into this draft for you. Um, it's all about depth. It's all about, you know, how much research you did. There's a lot of good, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good ones here. There's some obvious ones. 
um, I really had to dig to find a, to find a true Nez pick. And I think I have about one or two that might surprise you here. Love to hear that. Listeners love to hear that. Let's kick this thing off. Top billing of best movie dads. I'll go first. And I'm going to pick the blog that Dr. O wrote. Mr. Levinson. <laughs> Jim's dad, American Pie. Like, you could say Jim is the heart and soul of American Pie. To me, it's Mr. Levinson. <laughs> the guy, true homie. We talked about it in the grandma and Luca. Just a homie. He might not, not like to talk about a certain things with apple pies, but he's going to do it because he's just a great father. He'll talk about the uncomfortable topics with you. He'll also be a little more outgoing or more trying to be cool than he should be. But then again, it's Mr. Levinson, so you're going to take it for what it is. So Mr. Levinson's going to be the first pick in this draft. Damn it, Ricky Flicks. you got to pronounce it right. If he's the number one pick, it's Mr. Levenstein. Mr. Levenstein. Whoops. <laughs> Come on. He's the number one pick. And uh, yes, I guess. Yes, that's the one I wrote the blog about. Uh, he is a dad. I think I like him because like, if he hangs around – my friends, my friend will, my friends will think he's the funniest, most awkward dude of all time. But I'll know he's always gonna have my back, and he's gonna make sure, like, uh, it's like he's good at like father son. Don't have to tell mom. I'll make sure I'll take care of this. Like, big big fan of Mr. Levenstein. Good pick. Yeah, I think he's the type of dad that's like embarrassing to you, like with your yeah. friends, but your friends love him, kind of thing. It's like, exactly. like the he that it's that that parent that comes around and like like hangs out and sits down with you guys and starts talking, and like the kid is like, please go away, please. But the kids are like laughing their asses <laughs> off, and they're like, no, come on, stick around. Like he seems like that kind of dad. I must say, I am a little surprised he's number two on my board. Um, but I think there's a clear one-two in this draft, in my opinion, or at least top two. Well, it looks like you're going to get yours, bro. You're up. Yeah, I'm going to get my one-one pick. And um, I thought this one was obvious going into it. However, I do. Mr. Levenstein is a very respectable uh, first overall pick. Uh, I'm going with Liam Neeson's character Damn in Taken. That's like that's like the that's the first movie dad that I think of. The one that was flying across the the pond to go you know kick ass and, and murder people for the sake of his daughter i mean i haven't seen anybody do that i've seen it in a couple movies but i haven't seen anybody do that since the last you know four taken movies <laughs> no seriously they, they they really they really should have they should have quit while they were ahead with that franchise anyways um yeah i mean that's 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 my he was at the top of my board for movie dads and that's my uh, first round pick he's a man with a very particular set of skills you know, he was my number three on my board. Very deserving of a first round. Can't blame you there. I will find you, and I will kill you. He is the one of the most unique movie dads of all time, dude. He he has the ability to save your his daughter from a like Eastern Europe. I mean, a Eastern European sex trade. Like, like very unique type of dad. And he's the man. And he got his daughter those singing lessons at the end of the movie. Like, he's the goat. He'll do whatever it takes. He was the original John Wick. Ooh, he's just old John. Well, John Wick's kind of old. Yeah, I guess he was. Like, like that. Maybe John Wick wouldn't have happened without Taken. That's decent take. Hey, hey, hey. All right, Doc. Yeah. Off to you. I'm gonna go with Chris Gardner, Pursuit of Happiness. I think he's an awesome example of not just a great movie dad, but what any dad aspires to be. He's an inspiration to his kid. He's an inspiration to so many other people. Uh, he if he and his ability to battle through adversity with his kid by his side, able to support him and reach, go from the bottom to semi top. Very powerful performance by Will Smith. If you don't cry at that movie, I swear to God, like you are the worst person of all time. Like that, like that makes soul. that movie makes me cry like a baby. It's almost unrewatched. Yeah, <laughs> you doing the clap. He's doing the clap. It's like almost unrewatchable because I know I'm gonna cry every time. I'm not. I'm not interested in crying when I watch <laughs> movies, but I will if I watch it. He was my number two on my big board, and based yeah, on a true story. I know, I know. He was my number three. He's he he's great, great dad in that movie. Great and um, very inspiring movie. It's like happy tears. Happy, tears. we like happy tears, not sad. Happiness, tears. happy tears. Dr. Rowe, second pick. All right. I got one I definitely want to take. I think I can wait till the, uh, the next swing. Um, but I'll go with one more, more of a chalk pick. I got to go with Mufasa um, for Simba. 
uh, obviously wasn't there for the entirety of Simba's life, but you see the, uh, the impact he had on him. He was what Simba wanted to eventually ascend to and be. And I think he almost recognized, I will never be what Mufasa was, but I will do ex- as much as I can to be like him. And when you're that type of role model to your kid, you're doing something right. Obviously a tragic end. And he had a, I mean, if we're talking about worst uncles in a top billing, we know Scar's number one, but Mufasa is my beginning of the second round. Can't blame you. Not that great the movie, movie but... great movie, great soundtrack. Am I right? It is they a great got, soundtrack. That, that got some best. traction. That got some traction. It did. This week. We had a lot of lot of argument. Oh, oh shoot! I didn't even review the results of that poll, did I? Oh, you yeah, pulled up. Pull it up. Can you? Are you able to? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I did one on my personal page, so let me see if I can do this. Oh man, I don't know. Where do I? Where would I go to even see you, it? I think you go to your notifications and just keep scrolling down. Maybe all I see is uh, Ricky Flicks arguing with my brother. <laughs> I got ten notifications of that. You and Mayo gotta hash this out in person. Like you can't be like just wasting my notifications. I turn to them the off. The Thunderdome. The Thunderdome. But all right, let's let's keep this going. You can keep looking <laughs> while you do, but it's your pick here. Nez. Nez. Nez's pick for this round is uh, Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. All-time, uh, all-time movie dad, dressed up like an old woman and nannying for his kids so he could spend time with them. Was he always the best dad? Maybe not. But you got to say he did an exceptional job turning around for his kids and going out of his way so he could spend some time with them. All-time movie dad. This is Doubtfire. I don't know what his name is in the actual movie. So Robin Williams and Mr. Daniel Daniel. Hillard. Daniel Daniel Hillard. Hillard. Okay. He he evolved into a good dad for sure. He evolved into one. I don't like, I guess it's maybe not the best role model that he's dressing up as a woman and pretending to be someone else to like see his kids because he's just not being who he is. But I don't think he was legally allowed to. So I guess. Making sacrifices (laughs) for your children. Major sacrifices. Major sacrifices. Pulling a and uh with jay edgar to like to see his kids but uh he evolved into an awesome dad so i i he was on my big board he's not a first rounder so i'm like you get in the second round definitely not a bad thing like that's fine with me adam right where you picked him five all right off to me for the fifth pick we're going back to the great depression boys james braddock oh that's a good pick james braddock cinderella man he had to do whatever it took for his family. You know, I, I don't know if this is going to work on the board, on the graphic, but I really think he sh- he's deserving of a second round grade at the minimum. I didn't, I didn't have him on my big board. I love that movie. I don't know. How, it just went right in my head. Uh, but he, uh, he's an awesome character. And then uh, he obviously battling through the depression, fighting for his kids. And then like his kids, like listening on the radio to him fighting. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Very powerful. And then he comes home, fakes like fakes like he's being sad. Then he like pulls out the money. I won. <laughs> great depression yeah. movie. Like the great great depression movie. <laughs> great great depression movie. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Double great. But then for my third pick on the snakes, first pick of the third round. This is going to be a controversial pick. I'm going go. Clark Griswold. I think he's a good dad. He's the classic dad that just. He's trying to be a good dad. He wants to be the family man. He wants to host Christmas. He wants to take everyone on a nice vacation to either Vegas or uh, Wally World or Europe. He wants to be a good dad. He tries. He might not necessarily succeed like swimmingly, but at the end, everyone knows he's a good dad. That's why I'm going to pick him the third round. I think think this is the proper spot for him because of the controversy. So I don't know your thoughts here. I don't think it's controversial at all. He was on my big board. I love this pick. <laughs> I, it's a little controversial. He's done some questionable things, questionable antics that you would not say is appropriate for your kids. But yeah, but having all our dads, you know, 
Yes, but I think to his, <laughs> to, to his extent, I don't know. His extent, he's an ab- I don't know. He's had some really nutso situations, dude. I don't know. He, I don't want him as my dad. I'll tell you that. I don't that's want. True. Yeah, I don't think I want him as my dad either. But he is a good movie dad. He was on my big board. <laughs> I had him on the big board. I just, I just knew I wasn't going to draft him because I didn't think I would be able to explain it enough that I'm like, yeah, that's a good pick. I want him as my dad. <laughs> yeah. Well. Then again, like he's just someone, he's a dad that's going to do whatever it takes for you. So that's honestly what it takes, or that's what it, you want as a kid. I think, I think the argument for him, like the one you would say, like I was thinking of was like, he's going to make sure you have memories when you grow up. Like he's going he's oh. to make sure that you enjoy life, the holidays, the time with family, family comes first. Like in that regard, definitely a top tier parent. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just like the, the extent he goes to do that, questionable. Well, thank you, Dr. Rowe, for picking that or saying that for me. Nez, your third pick. Yeah, my third pick is uh, throwback. I'm going with Atticus Finch, baby. Baby, kill a mockingbird. Yeah, it's a major, major throwback. Um, All time dad, all time movie dad, all time book dad. All time book dad. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Did I read the book in high school? All time black and white uh, movie dad. Yes. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the most tolerable black and white movies of all time. Yes. I actually That's really actually do like that true. movie. Yeah. Robert Duvall, I think it was his first role. It's my favorite black and white non-Christmas movie. Raging Bull? Good one. Oh, Raging Bull, yeah, it's a good one. Darn. Mank? <laughs> Definitely not Mank. Mank. I hated Mank. The artist. The artist. I'm just throwing out random ones. But love it, yeah. love it, love it. But, uh, all right, Atticus Finch, good pick, good value. Dr. Rowe, your third pick. This is, like, going against what I said earlier, but I love him too much as a character. I'm going to go Sonny Koufax and Big Daddy. I, I wanted yeah. to go with him. Uh, Hypocrite. With, uh, with Frankenstein as his kid. Once again, an example of evolving into a good dad. I sense there's a potential veto on the table here. So I, I almost had this on my big board. I didn't want to get vetoed back-to-back weeks because technically that's not his kid. He is not actually his dad. So I knew this was going to get brought up somewhere. Did we want to make a rule where you have to be biological or like at least like stepdad or whatever? I, I, you know, I don't want to be the, the veto police here, but I, I just think if I, I – accept I, a veto because this was going through my mind. I was just waiting for someone to say it. Yeah, I, I don't um, – I, I, I'm not entirely sure what we should do here, Ricky Flicks. But, like I, – and I, we should have clarified this beforehand, and I meant to. I completely forgot to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot because, to mention it, though. Because there was a couple other ones that, that popped up in my head that, um, that you know, I, like – Yeah, I have a lot on my board that – Like, is, is Tony Stark a dad? Well, he well, is he, a dad. Like, two, a dad. Two Spider-Man, though? Does that count? No. Well, not the Spider-Man, but... But he's a father figure. Yeah, like, I would probably, okay. like, if you picked Tony Stark... Takes two would, videos, I'm out of it. If you picked Tony Stark, for example, I would you would you be holding his it. kid. You can pick it. I, I don't really care. I think... Fast tax here, boys. Honestly, like, it's... The name's Big Daddy. <laughs> like, it's, in, it's in the name it's of the It's in the name of the movie. I think you gotta let this one slide. I feel I, like I feel like we're gonna get crap on the, the on the thing. That's me saying it, but I think but, like it is titled Big Daddy. You're right. But what is a dad? Is, <laughs> does it have to be biological, or can it be? You know, he teaches him lessons that he'll take with him for the rest exactly. of his life. Exactly. Exactly. We're getting deep here. Yeah. All right. Let's go. You got it. All right. Sonny Koufax goes to Doctor O. It's still on. You're still on the clock. So is never mind. Oh, oh. Uh, I think I, I, I could get a Mr. Irrelevant. I don't want to anything. <laughs> a Mr. Irrelevant, I think I can get. So where am I going to go? I got to go Marlin. I'm going double Disney. I got to go Marlin for Nemo. We just talked about like the lengths he went to go save his kid. And not only did he try and save a kid, but he was successful in saving his kid or finding his kid and bringing him back home. Um, Another good example of like a dad who recognized he wasn't a good dad before, but like now based on his experiences and like noticing the love for his kid, becoming a good dad. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with Marlon as my uh, fourth rounder. Yeah, on my big board, um, I was gonna I was gonna draft him. The only thing that I think is you know he lost it. he lost his kid. So, and he's also kind of like uh, before his kid left, he was like sleeping on the job a little bit. <laughs> He seems like a guy who pays his taxes 
and does his does his thing. You know, he he's he, single he, dad, he's like yeah. a rule follower, sets a good example. But I understand what you're saying. But if you could find your kid across the damn ocean, it's Sydney, Australia. I think you're doing something decent. That shows like your drive. He could have said, "Forget it." <laughs> There's so many, how many like how many, how many how many fish have like baby fish? A ton. School of fish. Where do they come from? They have so many kids. And he said, "No, I need my baby clownfish." And he went to go mm. get. Good pick, All right. Nez. Yeah, that's my best argument for it. Nez, you're up. So I'm going with uh, Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles. He's a good dad. He's a leader. He's a provider. He's a protector. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he checks all the boxes for me. Um, he does have a little bit of a midlife crisis in that first one. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's a family man. He did what he had to do. And he eventually, you know, at, you know first hung it up, but then he unhung it up, um, you know, to be with his family and to start a family. But at the end of the day, I think he's a very good dad. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he's good with his kids. Mm-hmm. Did lose his job. Out of rage, he would have kept in control if he was a good dad to keep his job. No, I'm just messing with you. Good pick. The best right. example. The insurance place. Type. Yeah. Incredibles 2 is the best example of him being that dad. Yeah. Like, the being a lookout. Mm-hmm. That helped him. Him sacrificing, saying, no, Elastigirl, you go save the world this time. Like, what a sacrifice as a father figure. So I, sure. like, I like that. I like that uh, pick. I like it better than my Marlon pick. I wish I picked the Mr. Incredible instead. <laughs> well, now... I'm up fourth pick. Not necessarily the best player on the board, but best player available, but this is going to be a personal pick for me. This might be a classic Ricky Flick personal pick that might lose me the draft, but I'm going to go Charlie Hinton from Daddy Daycare. Dad mm, loses oh. his job. Eddie Murphy, dad loses his job. What And his kid, like, he creates a daycare in his home basically for his kid. And his kid needs to have friends, like, Honestly, like, I love this movie. Jeff Garland, Steve Zahn, uh, Cheap Trick cameo in this as well. Um, and I thought Eddie Murphy, actually, nice. like, Eddie Murphy, like, actually, like, did very well in this role, even though it was, like, a joking role. Like, I did love him in this, so I'm going to do a personal pick. And and I saw this in the theater. Uh, I was six, so, like, Daddy Daycare is going to be my pick here. And Kevin Nealon in that one? Yes, Kevin Nealon. Loser! Loser! <laughs> <laughs> Good pick. I, I, I thought about uh, drafting him, actually. Or I, I actually didn't add him to my board, but I, he did cross my mind. When you think mm-hmm. about it, when I hear the explanation, I hear the pitch from, uh, from Ricky Flicks over there. I agree. I think he deserves to be on here. Yeah, I did not think of it at all. And that's one of my, uh, one of my favorite like, movies from childhood. And like, that's one I, I consider really super rewatchable. Like, I'll watch that now whenever it's on. You know? I consider it a treat. Flash. Flash is missing. Great movie. Steve, Steve Zahn and that is so funny. Mm-hmm. Steve Zahn. And then my last pick, this is going to be in the same stratosphere as Big Daddy. I'm going to go Alfred Pennyworth. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. Technically, so, step so, so I feel like I can't veto because of my previous pick. And so he Alex, raised so, him. He raised okay. him like even as an adult. Like He literally like did everything that a parent he was his parent his legal guardian like he was a dad who's the best alfred in history ricky animated alfred in the batman animated series <laughs> wow animated you're not going michael kane the michael no, kane sir has, michael kane it was a joke it has to be michael kane <laughs> has to be michael kane yeah master wayne i failed you <laughs> but yeah Al- alfred's wayne, my pick you. i do think he actually is a dad like it would even if he didn't pick sonny i would still argue that Alfred, it would still be considered like legally a dad. If Sonny wasn't already on the board, I'd be vetoing the heck out of you right now. What would you yeah, get to? I, I, I don't know. I, like, we, but we don't even know if it's his like legal guardian. Is he? What do you mean? Yeah, he is his I legal guardian. I don't know. Is he? I don't Who else would it be? When Bruce I don't know. Wayne. I think he's just Bruce Wayne. I thought he, was, <laughs> I thought, I, he watches himself. I thought he was in like the nor- the orphanage or whatever, or he was like with the other kids. No. No, 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 he, no, he no, lived. No, no. He lived in the mansion with Alfred. Oh, but he donates he, to the. I thought there was like one specific because he was an orphan. 
Like he feels oh, for that, them. Because he was. Oh, I thought that yeah. he would go back. He's a stepdad. He's a stepdad. He gives you a hard time. It's just he never calls him dad. He's just out Yeah, because he, he's a butler too. Can't. Yeah, they seem more like colleagues. Like they're like very like, you know, like friends mm-hmm. almost in the movie. But I, so I Technically, he pay, does pay for him to be there. But still raised him. <laughs> Jamie yes. Irons was good in the Snyder Cut, by the way. He was good as Alfred. Yeah, no, he was good. He was a good Alfred. Nez, your last pick. Uh, my last pick here is going to be. I, I think might be a bit controversial, but I think um, you know, you can, as long as you could see that the love is there with the uh, with the father and, and his daughter, um, I think uh, I think you can be a good dad. So I'm going with Matthew McConaughey and in Interstellar. I don't know. <laughs> you could. Just- I'll spit all over myself to delete that. <laughs> I, I get it. He goes to save the world, basically abandons. Yeah, I see it. I, I mean, he, I see I mean, what you're he, seeing. he went to save the world, okay? So, like, yes, he had to leave his kid, but at the end of the day, he still came back, and he came right back to her. Okay. And it allowed her to be, like, the most iconic human ever. 100%. Exactly. <laughs> He's if, like Elon Musk on steroids. If he doesn't do that, then she doesn't become that massive icon and amazing person. So he made a massive sacrifice, not only for the world, but for his family. That that part at the end where he comes back is like, oh, you built, like it's in, in my name. And they just start laughing. It's like, no. Like that hit me hard. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. damn, like he literally abandoned his life for Earth. And like he none of this would have happened. And then mm-hmm. oh that that hit hard. It, Interstellar, Christopher Nolan gets ripped off for not like packing an emotional punch to his movies, but Interstellar, I think it's a little more complete. Like, don't leave me, Murph. Don't leave me, yeah. Murph. Right? Like, him break back. McConaughey is so awesome in that movie. Yeah. And uh, there is an emotional touch to that one. And like, you could see the undying love he has for his kid. The don't leave me, Murph, that don't convinced me. me. Like, wow, me, that's a good. I like the pick. I like yeah. the pick. I was borderline, but don't uh, leave me. YouTube- and the crying, the crying scene. Makai crying. Oh my god! I YouTube that scene sometimes. It's I, I'm not kidding. Like that mm-hmm. that, that scene is like electrifying. Like I can him- feel like the water in my eyes right now. Look, luckily I'm wearing glasses here. That's you can't prime, see it on YouTube. <laughs> Jesus. Absolutely but uh, before I break down here, Doctor O, how about you go with Mister Irrelevant? I think this is a good Mister Irrelevant. I don't think it's anyone you guys had on your big boards. I'm gonna go Danny O'Shea in Little Giants as my mr oh, great pick. uh so and wow like him leading that rat that rat pack that, that group of uh of kids that didn't belong he wasn't just a father figure to his to the ice box uh with becky o'shea but he was a uh father figure to all these kids and he's a leader of like these young kids great role model and if i get rick moranis as a dad in a dad draft i think that is going to stand out in the draft what? But you didn't pick him in the other movie, which I'm happy you didn't because how dare he let his kid his kid be as tall as freaking uh, skyscrapers. Terrible dad in that. I thought about picking him as uh, the dad in that, but it wouldn't make sense. But like also like you get the story like people see Rick Moranis. They think of like, oh, yeah, he left Hollywood to raise his kids. And like you almost have that immediate. He's just a good dad in real life. life. And he's just like he's playing. It feels like he's playing himself. Right. Yeah. And that guy who punched Rick Moranis should get sentenced to life in prison. Life. 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 I think they got him. I think they got got that guy. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. But man, I didn't even think because like I thought of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or I Blew Up the Kids, uh, but I just didn't think of Little Giants. Like great pick. But before we do honorable mentions, let me just round out this draft uh, by reading off the lists here. Ricky Flicks myself has Mr. Levenstein, Jim's Dad, and American Pie, James Braddock and Cinderella Man, Clark Griswold, National Lampoon's Vacation Movies, uh, Daddy Daycare, Charlie Hinton, Eddie Murphy. And then Alfred Pennyworth, Batman. Nez, Brian Mills, Taken. Mrs. Doubtfire slash Daniel Hinton or Hilton, whatever the one. I think it's Hilton. Hillard? Hillard, Hillard, you're right. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, Atticus Finch, To Go Mockingbird, Mr. Incredible, The Incredibles, and Cooper from Interstellar. Dr. Rowe, Chris Gardner, Pursuit of Happiness, Mufasa, Lion King, Sonny Koufax, Big Daddy, Marlon, Barney Nemo, and Danny O'Shea, Little Giants. Dr. Rowe, honorable mentions. I had Don Corleone 
he's a terrible person, but family is everything in it for him. Uh, and you have certain conduct, how you should behave. I think he's a leader. Like he shows people, like he shows his kids, like how you need to behave in this family, in the business as an adult. Um, I wasn't going to pick it cause it's too controversial. I, I don't, I've never seen this movie, but like John Q, how did he not get picked? I've never seen so, John Q. Yeah. I particularly don't love the movie, but that's like a big dad movie. Like, uh, protecting his kid yeah so i've never seen it i would have picked Denzel? it because when i was reading it i'm like damn like that's a good dad <laughs> yeah like, like someone big that time dad um, i just don't love the movie and then i had uh i don't want to go through a bunch of them because i know nez has a couple but like uh fierce styles in boys in the hood like Lawrence fishburne yeah um like him protecting his kid at all costs i think that would have been a great pick as well that was the one i was toying with with alfred nez honorable mentions uh, I don't have that much. I have the uh, the Consul of China uh, from Rush Hour, <laughs> enlisting Jackie Chan, and Chris Tucker to, go, <laughs> to get his that 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 was like a uh, what Animal. is it a lemur from Madagascar? Yeah, I, I I did not I uh, one of a draft. Pick, I didn't pick either of my Nez picks. The next one, the next two are are all Nez picks. Uh, I have Paul Rudd and Knocked Up. He's a good movie, Dad. Well, yeah, he's just a good like. Very fun character. That's a yeah, dad. he's like a good dad. Yeah. Uh, and then I have Nigel Powers from Austin Powers. Ooh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine, the yeah. bloody Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All, all right. A um, few on my board. Uh, Gru, just, just despicable me. Uh, another stepdad situation there. That's, that's a good anime pick. Yeah. Uh, Santa Claus from uh, Scott Calvin. The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Um, oh, that's good. Uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, Steve Martin. He has 12 kids, and he leaves his dream job, basically, to r- help raise the kids. And he also takes care of them when Bonnie Hunt leaves the kids. <laughs> yeah, he put the which, team on the Which Dr. O drafted in his top top movie moms? I did. Said. Or no, Ricky Flicks. No, nobody did. I've said, we, we, like... We did family that we would eat dinner with during Thanksgiving, I think, and I said... No, somebody did. drafted her, because I remember yelling, like, how are you going to draft no, no, someone I drafted in their whole I, no, no, family? No, no. I, and then you said quality. You said... I said it's quality, not quantity, and Ricky well, Flix fa- made the point that because she has a lot of No, kids, we did Thanksgiving movie... Families, like, families you wouldn't want to eat with. Right, oh, and I, remember, I picked cheaper by the dozen, and then you brought up that argument, and then I said, you're right. I remember, like, I remember this argument. Well, that's how it came up. We got to go to the whatever. Team. We got to uh, go to the moving on. Uh, Ray Kinsella, Field of Dreams, uh, and then just a couple like joke ones. Jack Burns would have been funny. Uh, a little overprotective there. Yondu from Guardians, and then uh, Sully slash Mike for Boo and Monsters Inc. Nice, and, and we got to mention Arthur Weasley as well. Weasley. Arthur Sorry. Weasley's definitely won. Oh, mm-hmm. that would have been good. Yeah, I mean Arthur. We I picked. I picked. Mo- oh no, the that, the, the okay. mom is like better. Oh, like they're both amazing parents, but like the mm-hmm. mom is yeah. more protective of their kids. Yeah. Like, if you pick the I dad, agree. it's like, dude, like the mom is the one that's like she's the star, making sure they're protected. Protect right. Them. Sorry, I don't know if you guys just saw what was just going on. I was trying to rehearse maybe like a Sunday night football slide for the next podcast that I oh, can Chris Collinsworth action. Yeah, exactly. Uh, intro that? on the YouTube. <laughs> But that's going to do it for this top billing of best movie dads. Dr. Rowe. All right. Boys, fans, audiences, that will conclude this episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Thank you for listening. And please leave us a review wherever you are listening to this and then rate us five stars. Next week, we are reviewing F9. It's finally here. In theaters this Friday. Friday. Feel like I do. Yeah, that might be the intro song next week, but that does it for this episode of the Drive-In Podcast. We will smell you. Ciao.